Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, an award-winning show dedicated to helping contractors generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. Powered by Rival Digital. Tune in each week to learn how other business owners and industry professionals across the country are staying ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. So, are you ready to dominate your marketing, get a grip on your operations, and build the business you've always dreamed of? Join your host, Eric Thomas, and get a fresh perspective on what it takes to create a world-class contracting business. The best idea wins. Now, here's Eric Thomas. All right. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, where we believe the best idea wins. And today we have got the smartest person I've ever met in my life. I know I say that a lot, but uh, this time I mean it. We got Mr. Dan Antonelli on here, kick charge. I'm sure he needs no introduction, but super stoked to dig in a little bit about branding, a little bit about being disruptive, all that good stuff. So let's go ahead and get rolling. Yo, 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 welcome back. Oh my gosh. You know, I used to think when we first got that video made, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I went on Fiverr, um, got the video made for like 35 bucks. And I was like, this is it. This is our time to shine. And now I see it and I'm just like, ooh. Especially with Dan on the show. Now I'm feeling like, feeling a little guilty a little bit because I know it's, I know it's bad, but a little spoiler alert might be coming later on that topic. So anyways, Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks, brother. It's good seeing you again. Yeah, Congratulations likewise. on your uh, your upcoming arrival. That's amazing. It's going to yeah. be an epic thing for you being a dad. Congratulations. I don't know if I'm spilling the beans if people don't know that, but anyway. Yeah, awesome. no, thank you so much. Yeah, we're, we're super stoked. And I'm actually like, the team's been like, hey, we're going to have podcast episodes for when you're out. And so between today to Friday, I'm recording nine episodes just a nice. backlog. So super excited. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I know for our listeners out there, I'm sure they know who you are. Um, but Dan Antonelli, uh, president and creative director of kick charge creative, also author of branded, not blended. Awesome book. Definitely check it out. Uh, but Dan, for those who may, you know, the, those odd folks out there who have just been living under a rock for the past 10 years, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and um, just tell the world a little bit more about yourself and then we'll just take it from there. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm Dan. I run Kick Charge Creative. So we are a branding agency for home service companies. Uh, so we have about 23 uh, people on staff here and we create, generally speaking, around 200 or so home service brands a year. We probably name about 50 home service companies a year and do their branding. So we do everything from brand development, naming, taglines, truck wraps or something we're pretty well known for. 
Um, and then we also do collateral and traditional graphic design services, billboards, um, brochures, um, and those types of things. So I'm 27, 28 years into this um, and started like a lot of entrepreneurs just working in my basement out of my out of my house um and then i finally had some employees actually working out of my house which is a little awkward um and then we got our first office and we were there for about <clears throat> we were there for almost 10 years actually and then we really outgrew that space and then we built a brand new facility here from scratch which is kind of cool so we built um, a new office it's actually like in the middle of a cornfield here in rural uh, warren county new jersey uh, so outside my window is a cornfield and there's, you know, cows around and it's kind of not what people think about New Jersey, but we built it from scratch and it's pretty cool. And so we have about 16 full-time employees here, uh, physically here. And then we have about six or seven that are actually remote employees, uh, mainly illustrators. Uh, some of our illustrators are remote uh, employees. Um, and it's pretty cool what we do. I mean, we get to build brands that change people's lives and there's, isn't anything cooler than doing that as far as I'm concerned. So we're really blessed yeah. and fortunate to work with so many owners and to be able to shape their, their future. And it's just, you know, something, you know, 27 years late, I'm still super excited about doing that every day. And we're really lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's one of the coolest things about, you know, being, I guess really any, I guess you could say vendor, uh, so to speak, you know, for a, a contractor or for a client in general, is that like the work that you do not only helps, you know, their, their company, but also touches the lives of a homeowner. Uh, right. Yeah. So like the, the other yeah. day, for example, I was on Reddit, which by the way, here's a quick, quick nugget for the listeners out there. Yeah. If you're into like Facebook groups and next door and all that stuff, and you're looking for something else to add to the mix, get on Reddit right now. Go to r slash whatever your city name is and join that Reddit or that subreddit because people talk in there about like looking for HVAC recommendations and stuff like that. So anyways, I was on Reddit the other day. I was in r slash like Raleigh or I don't remember somewhere in North Carolina and someone had was like looking at an estimate and they were like, hey, is this a fair price for this estimate? And it was one of your brands. And I'm like, this Reddit had like thousands of comments on it. And so I'm like, this just like you said, like this brand that you made for, for one of your, one of your, you know, over 200 companies you do a year, like this is getting tons of exposure organically through, you know, just through the comment section of a, of a Reddit, um, or something, yeah. which is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. That, that little nugget of advice you just gave, I think I've never heard that before. And I think that that's really interesting, um, as a place to be active on. No one ever talks about Reddit. <laughs> um, so I I, I, uh, I I see, you know, just as a joke that you also have an affiliation with a cheese shop. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The cheese shop. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you keep watching Shark Tank and you'll be sure to see the Antonelli's cheese shop from Capital One. But no, um, no relation. <laughs> Um, I hate their logo. Um, I hate their branding. Um, it's it's uh, it's not good for my own brand to pe have people think I had anything to do with it. So, uh, but uh, it's all it's all good. It's kind of funny. Um, I feel like my last name is rather obscure, and then suddenly that commercial came out and people knew my last name. Uh, but it's a good example of, of actually, you know, like we joke about it, but like, you know, my perception of what 
that cheese shop is like is not really favorable just from a brand perspective. And, and of course I'm, I'm going to be hypersensitive to branding maybe more so than normal consumers, but a lot of judgments are made just on that initial impression. So when you see that logo initially, I'm not thinking that, Oh my God, this is an amazing high end cheese shop that has the best cheese ever. It, it just feels a little bit lowbrow and, and not very professional and, and not very, um, well put together. So that's my initial impression of what the experience might be if I were to actually go and, and purchase cheese from them. Um, and so that happens to consumers every single second of the day. So every impression that's being made to them, uh, judgments are being made and impressions are being formed. Um, and so what we want to do from a brand perspective is do the best job we possibly can by controlling what that first impression is for that consumer. Um, so if I can have Mrs. Jones feel that something positive about the experience she might get from working with your heating and air conditioning company, that's ultimately the goal of, of any branding is to really control what she feels before she gets to actually interact with your brand uh, on a deeper level, whether it's a phone call, uh, whether it's when the person rings the doorbell and shows up at a job, uh, whether, you know, before she hits the website, what does she think about what the experience might be like? Um, and that's really the, the the goal of it. So that's why the vehicle becomes so important. Um, the truck wraps become so important because she's going to see those in her neighborhood. She's going to see those in her community. And each time she sees them, we want to leave an impression about what that experience uh, is like. And we also want that impression to be memorable. So that when she re needs service, she can simply type in your name as opposed to heating repair, you know, Washington, New Jersey, and hope that you show up. I mean, you, you know, on your side, <clears throat> how much better branded search terms convert um, because people already know. Um, so ultimately, that's what we're trying to do also is just make the brands be sticky within those communities. <clears throat> so that was a long answer as it relates to the cheese shop, but you can see how it's somewhat related. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I'd love to, to dig into that, you know, some of that stuff uh, here in a minute about, you know, just the way that having a strong brand can, one, just decrease your overall digital spend because you're going to you know, be able to have just a little bit better um, higher quality leads at a lower cost when you have the branded search. Um, but I'd love to chat about the book really quick. I know that um, sure. it's a, it's, it's been a, a pretty popular hit here for the past, uh, I guess almost a year now since it's uh, been out. But yeah. I think, I, I think September 1st, I think it came out. Yeah. So it's about a year. Yeah. So let's chat about the book. Let's talk about just, I guess, um, you know, just spark notes version of the book, you know, what kind of inspired you to write it and then um, you know, what's it kind of all about? I mean, the biggest thing that inspired me to write it was just the fact that there isn't a book like that that actually exists. Um, and so when I looked at, you know, I, I previously wrote a book about 10 years ago called Building a Big Small Business Brand. And, and certainly that touched upon branding for home service companies, but it wasn't specific to home service companies. And having seen so many mistakes being made by owners as it relates to branding, um, you, you come to realize that there isn't really a lot of conversations about it. And, and that's part of why you continue to see so many mistakes being made, whether it was just naming or poor naming or just the way in which 
brands were built or not designed effectively for a vehicle and, and so many things like that. And, and I said, you know, you know, listen, no one's ever going to make any money writing a book. <laughs> but I was like, if I can, if I can help some of these home service owners before they even start a company, or maybe they're, they're really early on in their company, um, avoid some of these pitfalls, avoid some of these problems um, and help them start with a better foundation it'll basically save them so much money down the road because obviously it's much easier to get your branding done correctly um, and less expensive to get it done correctly from the beginning than it is to rebrand five, six, seven years, years later when now you're invested in it you have so many things to redo, uh, truck wraps to redo, uniforms, websites, you know, a lot of that stuff. But if you could start on the right foundation, I think it's um, obviously to your benefit and and so i just took like the last 15 years of pretty much everything i could think about as far as common problems challenges obstacles uh, as it relates to home service branding and i've dumped it all in the book and and um you know the feedback's been really great to hear people um just have a, a much different perspective on what it means to have a brand and to see beyond the idea of having like just a logo like you, you hear a lot of people say oh my god i just need a logo not really understanding what it means to have a brand and how they're related to one another um so um you know just like i said the feedback's been really gratifying to me um just to know that the book is impacting people in a, in a positive way whether or not they ever use us in the future or not if i can help them better understand how to how to basically do this um it makes them I think have a better chance of success long-term. Yeah. So what, what goes into, you know, building a strong brand for your company? Um, I mean, starting from the fundamentals, naming is a, is a really, really important aspect of it. So I think probably the biggest chapter in the book is actually on naming. Um, and you see a lot of people start out on the wrong foot when it comes to naming, whether they, maybe they name it after their initials, maybe they name it after their last name. Um, and very, very difficult to um, brand last name brands or, or brands based on initials. <clears throat> so that's really fundamental and foundational to building a good brand. So naming is something that's really important. Of course, you can brand anything with enough money, with enough resources. Um, we, you know, we brand hundreds of last name brands every year, right? So it's not to say that you can't do it, it, but if you were starting from scratch, I would never recommend that you name your home service company after yourself. Um, it's just a lot harder to assign a promise to it. And, and so again, when you think about that initial impression that that brand makes to someone who doesn't know anything at all about you, and I see something that says, Thomas heating and air, well, what, why do I think that that's going to be a good experience? Um, and why do I think, why would I remember that also? So whether it's a last name brand, in your case, your last name, at least you would know how to spell it. Uh, but you see, you know, last name brands that are difficult to spell, difficult to say phonetically. Uh, and so you think about all the things that are affected by that. Um, so starting with that part is certainly the, one of the most important things. And then moving on from that, as far as the logistics of actually building a logo that will be functional in all the environments you need it to do um, its job in and, and whether or not it's going to work properly on a truck wrap, on a uniform, on a website, um, all those things are things that are going to be um, needed to be calculated in terms of how you craft a brand uh, moving yeah. forward. Yeah. 
I feel like, you know, naming a company after your last name is such like a Mad Men era kind of thing. Like I, I, like I know so many ad agencies out there where it's like Thomas and Antonelli and Smith. And, mm-hmm. yeah, and, like yeah. that, and it's like four different things. And it's like the same with law firms, I feel like. Yeah, 100%. Um, but yeah, so. It's, like it's, part, it's part, I mean, it's partly an ego thing sometimes. Um, sometimes it's like, well, they, they went under the state registry and, you know, tried a couple of different names and they were taken and they're like, all right, screw it. I'll just use my initials. Um, yeah. and, and they're not really given a lot of thought about what that actually means. Um, so initial based brands are even harder for people to remember um, than last name based brands. So, you know, if you're going to rank them, those are the worst. Last names are the second worst. Um, <laughs> um, so if you can avoid those two from the beginning, I think I think you'd be better off. And, and the other thing, too, is if you can have a name that evokes a visual to go along with it. So, you know, um, Grasshopper, as an example, like, you know, maybe you never heard of Grasshopper Heating and Air, but I bet you you have an idea of maybe what the logo looks like without even having ever seen it. So when you create a name that has a visual that's connected to it, that's very easy for people to remember. Again, the repetition of that visual helps people remember it later on. So the idea of being sticky is much easier to do with a brand name that evokes an image to go along with it. Yeah, so I'm here. I'm here looking at the uh, the table of contents. By the way, I've I've read this now, and uh, I love that uh, you got Norfolk, Virginia, Hutton right here, right by the table mm-hmm. of contents. That's that's uh, that's my neck of the woods. But um, so so one of my favorite chapters from the book was chapter two, and this was the chapter where I stopped and realized that maybe there was uh, something our own company that i needed to think about which was uh when is it time to rebrand so if you know for the folks out there who got started with the fire in the ice or you know xyz mechanical llc um you know what 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 are like the what are like the surefire signs that it's time to rebrand your company you know outside of a a public relations crisis (laughs) yeah um i mean listen if you go on Google and you Google heating and air conditioning logos and you see, you know, 20 derivatives of your exact logo on there. That's a good indication about something that needs to change. Right. So the idea of being generic, um, a lot of those, you know, fire and ice logos or sun and snowflake logos are very generic. Um, and so why would Mrs. Jones ever remember having seen it? Um, so they're very obvious in their nature. Um, and we tend to look at brands as doing things that feel very different and very obvious. Like who would think that Grasshopper is a good name for a heating and air conditioning company? Like it almost makes no sense. Like why would you call it Grasshopper? That, that doesn't make any sense. But there's so many things in terms of a story related to Grasshopper that make it essentially genius. You know, Grasshoppers only move forward. The tagline is forward is a way of life. So now you have not only a story that is outwardly facing to your existing customers, but you have one that is also inherently good for your internal customers, meaning your employees and things like that. So so thinking about it from those perspectives certainly helps that process along. And uh, and and you also have to recognize, too, that it might have been fine for when you started um, and you know, it got you to that point, right? But is it going to actually take you to where you want to go? You could look at the rebrand that we did uh, for Tommy Mello. um, And by all benchmarks, 
Tommy Mello, when we rebranded him, was at 30 or 40 million dollars and was was crushing it. But but why did Tommy say, you know what, what we have isn't good enough for where we want to go? Um, and, you know, you see companies get to a certain revenue size and they automatically say, oh, we can't change. Like We can't change now. It's too late. It's too late because everyone knows us. Everyone sees our trucks. Well, they said the same thing about Tommy's trucks, right? They were awful. Like they didn't work, but they did see them, right? But that you use that as a psychology to basically allow yourself to think that that's the rationale why you should never change what you're doing because it's gotten you to this point. And we look at those as just the idea of saying, you know, success in spite of a poor brand is not a valid reason to perpetuate it. And imagine maybe how much more success you would have had with a better with a better brand. So, um, you know, lately we've done some companies that are in the, the 30 to 50, 60, 70 million dollar range. We've done rebrands on for those exact reasons, like they don't represent who the company has evolved into um, at that point. Um, and so, you know, it's expensive to do it at that point. It would be would have been nicer for them to do it five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 million dollars previously. Um, but they still recognize that it's not taking them to where they want to go. And there's also a, a cost associated with it in terms of how much more they need to spend on marketing, how much more they need to spend on digital, um, things like that. So it's beyond just the fact that maybe it doesn't represent them, but they're also typically overspending on their advertising because of poor branding. Yeah. And, and this is something that I, I was actually just talking about, you know, two weeks ago with, with Ryan shoot from the wizard of ads mm -hmm. and um, you know, big, big fan of what they've done over there. And it's, it's certainly no coincidence that the companies with a strong brand have uh, a lower cost per lead uh, at a higher conversion. And mm -hmm. so, and, and, and higher tickets across the board because yeah. they're already emotionally invested in your company. And so to kind of bring it all full circle with that, that Reddit that I was reading um, of the person they were asking, is this too high? The, the estimate that they got, that was a, a kick charged brand they asked if the estimate was too high and the comments were not saying oh my god that's so expensive that's outrageous the comments were saying that company's amazing you're going to get this kind of service you're going to be getting this that and the other so while yes the the, the estimate may have been 30 percent higher than you know chuck or or snowflake right, right. And, and fire type of logo guy um what they what they didn't talk about was price the customers were talking about the service that you're going to expect with this premium brand. Right. And, and so when you have that, people are going to be searching grasshopper and a one garage. They're not going to be searching garage door repair in Phoenix, Arizona. They're just going right. to go straight to the, to the Googler and type in a one garage. And they already know they've already bought in their head. They're just at that point, Google's just a toll booth and all they have to do is pick up the phone and give them their money. Exactly. And I think, you, you know, you touched upon the idea of average tickets, um, as being one aspect of it. So when you look at the struggles that sometimes people have as far as how do we increase our average tickets, um, that's part of the problem is they don't look like a company that deserves to be charging what they're charging. So what we'd like to do is obviously match the deliverable that the company actually provides with the image. 
So if I can marry those two ideas, if I can make the consumer believe that they're about to get a premium experience, and then you ring the doorbell and you kill it on service afterwards, well, then that's that's basically the recipe for having the consumer believe that there's value in what you're offering. You know, you think about how much money people would spend on on a new system. And at the end of the day, you know, if I have two estimates and there's a discrepancy between the two, but one I feel like is going to be in business in the next five years and the other one I'm not quite sure if they're going to be in business, mainly because of what they presented to me and, or, and how they presented themselves. Well, I'm going to spend the extra money because I have a higher likelihood of, of confidence that they'll be around if I have a problem, right? So I'm making a pretty significant investment in a new heating and air conditioning system. And I don't want to worry that you're going to be out of business and my warranty is now worthless because, you know, you were the cheapest guy, you know? So um, there's so much education that goes into obviously having consumers understand value. And there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of processes that go into um, the sales process to have them understand value. Um, but if I can control as much of that conversation before it even needs to transpire, um, that's that's really what a good brand should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I were taking the dog for a walk and the people across the street of us were getting like a French drain installed and they had all this landscaping stuff going on. And it, lo it looked really nice because they were building like this retaining wall with a fire pit and they had the French drain going in. And my wife was like, oh, my gosh, like that looks so nice. The guy that was doing the work was sitting there and he had his door open and he heard her say that. And he was like, you want me to come give you an estimate to do it in your yard? He He's sitting in an unmarked Jeep Liberty. Just a dude like in a wife beater sitting there doing the work. And <laughs> I looked him dead in the eyes and I was like, no, nah, we're good. <laughs> you're, you're not touching my lawn. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other part, too, is like, you know, when you think about the demographics of who the brands are meant to attract on the HVAC side, and that's largely a woman who is making the initial phone call. And generally, it's like 80% or 90% of every initial touch that's made is by a woman to an HVAC company. So, so you're already basically working to try to figure out how does the brand communicate to her that it's okay that this guy is probably coming is going to come to our house like how do we make her feel at ease with this company um so you see a lot of you know one of the things in the book that we talk a lot about is you know the consumer psychology of branding and and how that decision making um has to be addressed like you have to think about that target demographic and you have to build the brand for her before you build a brand for yourself especially if you're a male owner like it's, it's, I almost like the, I don't, I don't say this, you know, I say this tongue in cheek, but I don't, I don't care what you like. Like, that's not my objective. All I care about is what Mrs. Jones like. I have to get in her head. I have to have her understand something about your company before you ring the doorbell. I guarantee you, if she likes your brand and the results come in, you'll love your brand later on. But my objective is not to make a brand that appeals to you if you're a male owner, because you're not my demographic that I'm most interested in. Of course, I want you to like your logo. I mean, it'd be silly to design something and have you hate your own logo. Like that would be dumb. But ultimately, she is who I am building a brand for first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's it, that seems to be another mistake that that I've seen is, uh, you know, with, with branding, you know, outside of the fire and ice and the sun, the sunshine and the, and the snowflake is, um, 
like you, you get these like caricatures of these dudes that are like jacked and they look like they're about to like yep. whip your ass and mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm like mrs jones sees that and is like oh i'm just like grungy you know buff dude or whatever like that's just like uh it might be a little frightening yeah 100 percent, it's frightening and um that doesn't put her at ease that doesn't make her feel confident in who's coming to her home it, it actually frightens her a little bit more so than we would really like her to be <laughs> for sure yeah yeah absolutely so i want to talk a little bit about um just kind of on the digital side with branding because uh, you know we, we see we see digital folks you know always trying to defend their their career and their profession and i get it and i'm with you um but the numbers don't lie and so i'm i've got sim rush pulled up right here okay there's 57 projects we have in here for position tracking that we're doing uh and i was you know i would say we do work with a lot of kick charge uh clients which by the way when we work with a click a kick charge client our time to delivery on that site is about two weeks sooner than if they're not um, that's just because the branding is done we have everything we need um but on average, when I'm just looking at position tracking, so your visibility, your organic visibility, we're talking three pack, map pack, um, organic, you know, below the map pack, we're looking at 54.2%. Now, this is of keywords that we're tracking. So we're going to track, you know, roughly 150 keywords per location. That's just mainly because we're limited to how much we can track. Um, but of the keywords we're tracking, we're looking at for kick charge brands, 54.2%, which is good. Uh, 34.84, still pretty solid. 64.36, 98%. Okay, here's a non-kick charge brand. 7.03, uh, 4.6. And those are the ones that we're having to fight tooth and nail to try to get them to rank. Like, because they're... Here's a kick charge brand, 91.7% visibility. So it's no coincidence that when you have a well-branded company and people are searching you know, Grasshopper or A1 or uh, Sheldon here when they're searching Dragonfly, that your organic visibility is going to improve as a result because those signals are being sent to Google as well, that this is something that people want to look at and they go on their site, they spend time on it and they convert. So um, I feel like that's, like you said earlier, like it's, it's one thing for you to say that, but when the numbers are right here in front of my face and I'm looking at over 50 different projects and i can see which ones are dominating they all have good branding yeah yeah and you know again you just look at the effect of locality and how that affects consumer behavior so you you think about each impression that the van is making within that community and you see that van on your neighbor's driveway and that that registered as, as one impression then you see that van driving down the street local to you uh, again, every one of those impressions is sending a, a signal to that consumer and again, hoping that it, it will become sticky for them later on when they actually need service. So people also get confused as far as the role that the van, the truck wrap actually plays. It's not necessarily meant to be a call to action. Um, that's why we're not like real big on huge phone numbers and things like that on trucks because it's not it's not really the mechanism that we expect people to take. But when she's ready for service, that's when we expect her to remember that and that's why we do brands that are more disruptive that's why we don't like fire and ice logos because why would i ever remember that um and it takes a certain amount of guts also to kind of go against 
that idea, right? So, so you want to think about brands and you want to say, well, Fire Nice is good because it signals that we do heating and cooling, right? And we're going to say, yes, it, it does signal that, but there is nothing compelling and unique about that that would be memorable for anyone to actually remember it. But you could look at the branding for like Dan Dugan just, just commented and, you know, we have a huge, you know, head on the side of his van that looks like kind of like a leprechaun and um, his tagline speaks to the idea of um, premium service, no shenanigans. Um, and we have like plaid on the bottom of his van and unique colors, right? When we're not using red and blue for him. Um, and, and so like we've put out this image that feels so contrary to what you would expect. And that's why it works. You know, and that's why, you know, I remember when we pitched Dan on on actually doing that logo, I thought, I mean, we, we all thought it was genius, but you have to recognize too that sometimes, you know, clients are scared to go that far out there to do something that feels contrary to what everyone else is doing, right? And we're basically saying, hey, we're not going to do what everyone else is doing. We're doing this thing that's radically different. Um, and Dan was on board from day one. And, and I'm so grateful that he trusted the process and trusted us doing that but since since we've rebranded them i mean they're they're crushing it they're doing so well um and it's because we built a brand that is disruptive that that doesn't resemble what everyone else expects and what everyone else is doing and, and so that takes a little bit of gut sometimes because your natural inclination as any owner is to do what everyone else is doing like well they seem to be doing okay with the, the fire and ice. So like we'll do sun and snowflakes instead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So. And, and you know, these, these vans, I know you, you've mentioned in the past about like winning the, was he winning the war of the streets or mm-hmm. um, yeah. something like that. I, I always battle call it yeah. battle of the streets. I, I always yeah. refer to it as the, uh, the neck breaking effect because you're just like, you're like look like, what was that? Yeah. What was that? Because like yeah. you see so many, like you shared one earlier today on Facebook. The guy had like forty phone numbers. It was like, <laughs> if you're in Tampa, call this number. If you're in Sarasota, call this number. If you're in Bradenton, call this number. Yeah, you're looking at that and be like, what in the world? And it's a surprising amount of people that still run around with white bands, you know. And and that's you know we call that the white band syndrome. We talk about that in the book, but. You know, yeah. the idea of, again, is, you know, in a sea of other white vans, why would I ever remember yours? Um, yeah. That's why, like, even, like, people doing partial wraps never make any sense to me. Like, why would you do a partial wrap? Why? You're going you're gonna to save, what, 20% by doing a partial wrap? You, half your van's still going to be white then. So you're not building that disruption. You're not using colors right. You're not leveraging color. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of really, really bad truck wraps yeah. out there on, you know, so... <laughs> And like, um, like, like, uh, like Hutton here in Norfolk, like, yeah, I, I see, I see their vans driving around it. Like who, who else out there has a light bulb on the side of their van that lights up and lights up. up? I know it's yeah. epic. It's so cool. What, what they did with that, you know, but yeah. you know, you can even look at his old brand. I think we have his old brand on, on our website on the before and after section. And, and by most benchmarks, you would say, well, it's not awful. You know, it was legible. I could read it. It said Hut, Hut and Power and Light, I think, or something like that, which we fixed because that sounded like a, a utility company rather than an HVAC or, or electrical contracting company. So we, we fixed that piece of it. Um, but it was legible. Like, you know, I could read it, 
but would I ever remember it? Probably not, you know, and, and his numbers, again, his numbers are crazy since rebranding and what, what he's been able to do. Um, but those vans are really, really sticky. And, you know, the fact that the, the bulb actually lights up is just next level stuff, you know, just very yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really good stuff. So, all right. So we've, we've hit on, we've hit on digital. We've talked about when it's time to rebrand. Uh, one, one thing I really want to talk about, um, I, we're going to wrap up here in a second. Cause I know you got, you got vacation coming up. So you're probably. probably yeah. I'm good. I'm good for a little bit, but yeah, no worries. You, you probably got clear skies and my ties on your mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about what not to do after rebranding, because I feel like, you know, if you're going to make the right investment into this, you want to make sure that you execute it properly and that you don't botch it. So yeah. what are, what, what are some of the, like the pitfall mistakes to avoid after rebranding? I, I think, I think it's a great question. Um, I think the rollout of a rebrand is really, really important. So how you actually go about letting your existing customers know about the rebranding. Um, what do you do to, make sure they understand it's the same great company. It's the same great service. Your warranties are intact. All those things should be communicated to them. So we have a, like a launch package that we do for a lot of our clients, which include um, those communications. So we would actually write the letters that go out to each customer, um, do the email marketing that would go out to the customers. Um, we also can do the social media build out. So like all the profiles now match and things like that. And in terms of pitfalls, like the, to me, there's sometimes the, the, the thing that frustrates us the most is we're typically hired to do the, the, the new branding and then do the first truck wrap as part of our initial deliverable. Um, and then a client may get a second van that's a different make and model. And they may think that it's just easier to go to the sign company and have the sign company try to adapt the original artwork to a different canvas. Um, and that, it, to me is a big pitfall because it's very rare that I see a sign company be able to execute properly an adaptation from one canvas to another. So to me, it frustrates me because I'm like the second van and already we've degraded the branding that we just invested so heavily in. Um, and yes, we charge for that service, but it's not like an arm and a leg. And, and again, if it goes through us, it's going to be on brand like a hundred percent. Um, so that piece, I think, frustrates us. And, and sometimes when you see the brand start deviating very quickly on, I'm just like, like, this is the wrong font, like, or it's the wrong colors, or where did this color? And, and sometimes I have good relationships with all my clients. So sometimes I'll just take a screenshot of it and send it back to them and say, where did this color come from? This color is not in our brand. Uh, or where did this font come from? And a lot of times, yeah. you know, maybe they have someone in-house doing their social media or something, and, and they're maybe not as astute on the nuances. Uh, but we'd like to just try to help them with those things if we can and just, you know, help steer them a little bit correctly. You know, working with a shop like yours, I'm always confident that the brand is going to be executed and communicated properly, you know? So like, I know that you're not going to simply take the logo and create a generic website and just pop the logo on the top and change a few button colors. Like you're going to integrate the brand in a manner that does the brand justice. That's why we like working with you because we know that this shit's going to get done correctly. Right. But yeah. I certainly get super frustrated when it's literally like, the logo on the top of the website and we changed a few button colors and we called it a day and that's our branded website. I'm like, no, it's not a branded website. 
you know, yeah. like you missed all the nuances of the actual brand. You didn't infuse the brand throughout that channel. Um, and that is like a miss because again, now Mrs. Jones saw the truck, started getting an impression of it and then hit the website. And now, now maybe the website is like a miss. Maybe the website isn't on brand the way we wanted to. So, yeah. you know, like you guys always kill it for our clients. I love when our clients go to you because I know that the brand's going to get just totally executed the way we would have designed the website. Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. And, you know, honestly, a good example of that, I think he's watching right now is uh, Mac Chambers. And uh, like we, we, you know, we, we're, we're about ready with that site. And like we had come up with some initial designs and stuff. And then, you know, there was, he, he had sent over the actual van wrap and I was like, Whoa, guys, hold on. We actually kind of missed on this. Like we need to change some colors and stuff around. So we're, reworking some stuff because like it's like you said it's so important so like if your van is blue and your billboard is blue and your yard sign is blue and your door hangers are blue why would you want to land on a site that's orange but it has the same logo like everything else is is like this nice blue gradient uh you know or red or whatever your colors are like you won't want to land on the site and be like is is this yeah, I, oh, I think it's them. Oh, the yeah, right, like exactly. If you have to ask a question when you land on it, is this the same company? Yeah, that's a problem. You know, even like the basics of featuring the van on an actual website, I think is so important on that landing page, on the homepage, that the van actually be featured because people people remember the brand on your vehicle more than they remember the brand by itself because it's a much bigger entity, right? So like I always get... I'm always blown away sometimes when you visit people's Facebook pages and you can't even find a picture of their van. Their van isn't even on the header image. And again, if I'm Mrs. Smith and I saw the van, you know, I remember aspects of the brand on the vehicle itself, but I may not remember all the details of the logo itself. But if I see that van and those unique colors, oh yeah, 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 that's the same company. But it's like, you see so many HVAC sites that don't even feature the van prominently on the homepage. And that never makes any sense to me because it's the most visible, you know, attribute of your of your brand is the vehicle. And, and we're not going to feature that somehow. Like, it's bizarre to me. Like, sometimes when I see that, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And then also, <laughs> you know, that that's where I know from a digital standpoint, you have to have kind of a balance between like branding and SEO. Like we want to have we got to have our SEO copy. We got to have our SEO pages. Um, and like when we work with a kick charge brand, like I always want to make sure that tagline that's on the van, like that is right up top. You know, yep. like I'm looking, I'm looking at dragonfly right now. Cause this is a good example. Van on the landing page. will keep you snug as a bug. The van says, we'll keep you snug as a bug. The main, you know, big headline here is we'll keep you snug as a bug. Yeah. You can worry about the SEO stuff on those interior pages, but you don't have to get onto this site and then be talking about, you know, number one top rated AC repair in Riverside, California, blah, 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 blah. Because, yeah. you know, that, that totally is like, wait, I get it, you know, from an SEO perspective, I get it, but you have to find that balance between optimized content and headings and stuff. And then also maintain the brand because if the customer seeing will keep you snug as a bug, the billboard says, we'll keep you snug as a bug. The TV commercial says, we're keep you snug as a bug. And then you get on the website and it says, we'll keep you snug as a bug. They already, they're like immediate affirmation. They're just like, yep, this is the company. This is them. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
All right. Well, Dan, this has been awesome. Is there anything that I haven't hit on yet that you were hoping to uh, to chat about? No, I mean, I think we covered all the all the basics. I mean, I think the book does a really good job going obviously deeper into some of these topics. Um, we didn't talk really much about branding and culture and recruitment and how that plays a role. But I think that that is something, too, that's really important that certainly the book touches upon is a lot of people you know, come to us because they want the new branding, they want the new truck wrap, they want some of the collateral developed. Um, but then after all those things are done, they they realize how much the brand has meant for their culture um, and yeah. what it's meant for uh, recruitment and those aspects of it. So so it's it's more than just a pretty truck wrap and a pretty logo. It's 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 deeper than that. It's 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 not only outward facing, but it's inward facing. Uh, and when we have the opportunity to help clients develop their in-house truck, not truck wraps, wall wraps, like do the wall wraps for their space and their training facilities and their their break rooms and things like that. And you can really infuse those brand elements in there and reinforce aspects of vision and mission and things like that. That goes a long way to helping the recruitment process. So when a prospect walks in and sees what kind of culture that you've built, um, they're proud to be a part of it. Um, they're proud to wear the uniform. They're proud to drive that truck. Um, and that's that's the other sort of aspect of brands that a lot of owners don't really appreciate until afterwards. And they see how it's affected the culture. Um, but certainly that's a huge benefit of having a really strong brand. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because people want to be proud of, of who they work for and they want to be proud to put on that uniform every day, too. So. That's uh that's huge. And someone that I think about right off the top of my head with that is Rogers heating and cooling. Um, we're, mm-hmm. we're big Rogers fans around here. Um, I just, I think the world of them and every time we go visit their shop to take pictures and you know, get content and stuff, it's like, I mean, they have really, I mean, they painted their building, the, the on brand, like gray yeah. color of, of from their color palette. And then yeah. the, the entire, I mean, the floors are teal. The, the their brand teal the walls are all branded everyone there's wearing you know branded uniforms and polos and shirts and they're clean cut um you know and it's just it's like a breath of fresh air and i know it is yeah. for their you know when 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 an applicant walks into that place and they see it you know that their confidence level in this employment opportunity goes up versus if you yeah. walk into you know billy bob and the rum dums little you know shared space and you got you know it's dark and you got cockroaches running across the floor and there's daunting music playing i'm just kidding that's an exaggeration but you get what i'm saying like it's it, it's obvious like you walk into a place it's like it's bright and vibrant and branded and then you walk into a place it's like not i'm gonna go work for that other place any day of the week yeah yeah rogers i, I love that branding and i i have a personal of uh, affinity for that brand. Cause I personally actually worked on that brand. <laughs> nice. So. That's awesome. Yeah. They're, they're great people. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for, uh, for the time, for those listening out there, I'm sure they know they could probably, you know, visit your website to learn more, but how can they get uh, connected with you and start the conversation if they're interested? Yeah, absolutely. You can hit us up on kickcharge.com. You can shoot me an email, Dan at kickcharge.com. And, uh, or, you know, if you're on Facebook, just shoot me a message. Awesome. And I will link, uh, the book in the show notes for our listeners out there. So just scroll on down, click on the link and go ahead and grab a copy of that book. Uh, because 
don't want to miss out on this. Dan, thanks so much. This has been awesome. Until next time, everybody stay smart. Thanks for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, powered by Rival Digital, helping business owners and industry professionals across the country stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. We hope you learned something from this week's episode. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast.